What's happening guys? Welcome to the Barberculture Podcast with me, your host Don Quinn. A platform created for growth, knowledge and wisdom from the industry's leading professionals. Sharing information so that we can grow together. Today we're welcoming Paul Skerritt, formerly known as Paul Barbaco, to the Barberculture Podcast. Paul is an educator for the Great British Barber Bash. He is also very successful within his social media accounts and owns a small business up in North Wales called Barber Codes. Through Paul's wisdom and stories, we will uncover how being a late starter played no effect in Paul excelling within the industry. So I'm going to break this interview down into three parts. In the first part, we'll talk about Paul's story and how he got started within the industry. In the second part, we'll talk about Paul's social media account and how that's played such a big role in opening so many doors for him. And thirdly, we'll talk about Paul owning a shop up in North Wales and how he successfully manages to juggle being a business owner come technician and also running his social media accounts and educating around the country. So without further ado, let's get on with the interview. Today we are welcoming Paul Skerritt, aka Paul Barbercode, to the Barberculture podcast. Paul, how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Don. Yeah, very good. Pleasure to be here. Good. So, for some of the listeners, Paul, um, could you just give us a bit of a backstory about yourself um, and how you got started within the industry? I was actually quite a late starter into barbering. Uh, basically, I left school when I was 16. I did my GCSEs. And then I left school and I, in my mind at that point, I wanted to be a PE teacher. Uh, I was always really sporty when I was in, in school. I was a footballer. Um, so my initial thought was to be a PE teacher. So I went to college and I did sports science. Um, and then as time evolved, I kind of found myself losing a little bit of interest, especially for the teaching side of things. I was still really sporty, loved playing at all different sports, but I really wanted to um find what my my real passion was and basically I've always had uh, an interest in hair from a young age so right from the age of about 12 13 I'd always want to be quite experimental with my own haircuts so you know you get lads going to the normal barber shops when when uh, we'd always go on the way home from school they'd always just get the same boring haircut and I'd always want something a little bit different um and then once I got to about age 18, 19, I started to be a little bit more exper- experimental with colour um, and, and with different styles. And I was influenced by people who were in the, the uh, sort of like the mainstream, by David Beckham, for example. Any haircut he had, I would just copy it. So um, I was always intrigued. I always had that kind of like, uh, uh, I would say I'm a, quite a creative person. So I was intrigued by hair. But obviously at that time, I couldn't cut hair. Um, so I gradually transitioned over from, uh, my job at the time when I was 19, I was a gym instructor. So obviously went down the sports route and then eventually it was, I wasn't until I was 24 that I actually picked up my first pair of scissors and started, you know, properly learning the art of cutting hair. So, um, I went to the Sid Softung Academy in Nottingham. I did a week's intensive course with and, Sid. Uh, and what age were you? And what age were you then? I was 24 then. Okay. So it's quite a late starter, you know. A lot of the the guys in the game now who've been cutting maybe since they were 15, 16 years old. So I was I was quite late. Um, but it was always something that I was intrigued, interested in doing. I just got to it a bit late. Um, so yeah, I did Sid, Sid Softung's one week intensive course, 
And I, I went into that with the mindset of, you know, I really enjoy hair and styling hair. And even though I didn't really know what I was doing, up until the age of 24, I was always into styling my own hair, styling my friend's hair. You know, if ever we're going on a big, like, uh, a lad's night out or something, quite a few of my friends would rock up for pre-drinks and they would have nothing in their hair and they'd let me style it before we all went out. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. That was, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was something I really had a passion for at that time. So I rocked up to um, the Sid Stockton course in Nottingham. And I had the mindset of, I thought I was going to be quite good at this. You know, I've got this uh, creative edge to me. I thought I was going to be quite good at it. But um, I quickly found out that I wasn't very good at it at all, you know, especially, <laughs> especially after a week. Um, yeah. So I became a little bit frustrated in the first, well, I'd say the first month um, when I left that course. I knew I'd been taught so well by Sid on the fundamentals, how to cut hair properly you know, the stru- how to structure a haircut, how to adapt a haircut to a certain face shape and et cetera. But um, I didn't have the technical skills. I hadn't built up the skills in my hands to actually produce the looks that I wanted. So it's the same with anything. It just takes time. And um, it, it was a case of going away, doing lots of kitchen cuts, cutting my friend's hair, cutting my family's hair, um, doing it all for free to begin with, just to get build up my skills. And then eventually my boss in the gym where I was working at the time said to me, we've got a little spare room. Do you fancy going in there and doing a few haircuts? And that was when I really uh, built a client base and learned to become, you know, a little bit more of a full time hairdresser slash barber, I'd say. So, yeah, that's my journey. Well, I mean, like at the time, I mean, I don't know how long we're going back now. We're not going to tell the listeners your age, but um it, it it was quite unusual just to go into barbering then. It, it wasn't as big as it is now. Like the industry now is, is huge. There's so many barbers, but back then you didn't yeah. really get that many people going into it, did you? No, not at all. It was. I think I uh, I was one of the early ones. I um I don't think it was until the introduction of social media that barbering became the thing that it is now. The industry has really taken off since things like Instagram, um, and more recently TikTok and things like that. Um, when I first got into it, it was sort of seen, I went on a course and I, I came off it and, um, my mates were a little bit sort of, oh, he's a hairdresser and you get that whole thing. Oh, you know. Yeah. I know what you're going to say. I know what yeah. you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, not going to say it. But, um, and it didn't help. I drove a Vauxhall Tigra at the time, a black Vauxhall Tigra. Epic. And, um, my mates would always say to me, oh, look at you in your hairdresser's car. But I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I do for a living. I cut hair, so I'm allowed. <laughs> could be um, worse. You could have had a TT. I could have had a TT. Yeah, that's the number one hairdresser's car, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah, so so your friends are obviously, they, they uh, I mean, like my friends at the time, they sort of take the mick a little bit out of becoming a hairdresser or a barber. But like now, I think to become a barber, it's massive. And especially it's massive with social media like barbering on social media has just exploded. Um, but we didn't have Instagram then, did we? Really? No. Not right at the start. Um, no. So when did you get started with Instagram? Instagram. Um, well, I was a little bit late to Instagram as well, to be honest. When I first uh, opened my shop, the, the shop I've got now, Barbercode, um, I've had that shop for six years now. So I opened in 2014 on March the 1st. And um, for the first year and a half, two years, I think it was, 
I didn't really bother with any social media apart from Facebook. I tried to focus my advertising on local advertising, obviously just to try to build that client base and gain a reputation locally. Um, and I didn't really think about the broader term of, um, you know, trying to expand and get into the rest of the world as, as such. Um, it wasn't until 2016, I think it was 2016, when I first joined Instagram. Um, and that's when it completely evolved the business um, because I found myself being inspired by people who I saw on there, saw what was sort of capable, not only work-wise, but career-wise. So I was looking, you know, following certain barbers on Instagram, seeing some of the haircuts that they were doing. And I was thinking, yeah, I want to reproduce something like that. I want to be able to attain that level of skill, that level of finish, even down to the photography and things like that. It really drew me in. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, I also got to see sort of like the, the education side of things where people got to travel around Britain or Europe or even the world. And I, I thought to myself, that would be a nice avenue to go down. So social media for me is that completely changed my business. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't care what anyone says. Um, social media is the main platform now to be recognized anywhere, whether you're a barber and you want to get more clientele or you're a barber and you want to become an educator, that is the place for sort of um, companies to find you and see your work. It's a perfect, it's a perfect gallery of what you do, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a gallery. It's an online portfolio. Whenever anyone wants to see what you're capable of, not just in the barbering and the hairdressing world, in lots of other jobs as well, it's sort of your way of saying, well, this is what I'm capable of. This is what I can do. It's a visual uh, CV, if you like. Um, and that's what I wanted to create, something that I could show to people and say, look, you can come in and this is the type of work I do. Try and build up the trust and try and obviously get a little bit more more work, whether it be through clients coming into the shop or whether it be through education and teaching along that line. Yeah. So obviously with Instagram now, is that the only platform you use or do you use anything else? It's my It's my main hub, I would say. I use Instagram daily. So whether it be a post of a haircut or post of uh, a barbering event. Um, and I use the Instagram story quite a bit as well, just to keep in people's minds. I think that's quite an important thing. So daily use of Instagram. I don't use it quite as much as I did when I first started. When I first started trying to build up a reputation and build my followers, um, I, I became a little bit addicted to it, should I say, in a good way. So I would post up three or four posts every day I'd really put a big effort in into tagging people hashtagging and really making sure I, I did it every single day to build up that following so that's what you'd recommend really is just to make sure that you're you're putting in all or everything you need to do really is is you know like tagging hashtagging um you know making sure that you're putting up work daily obviously at the moment it's not really the perfect time to be doing it, is it? Unless you're going to be using a mannequin head. That's right, yeah. I mean, what we're struggling for at the moment, a lot of hairdressers, a lot of barbers are struggling with to have content for output. And that's where you've got to get a little bit creative. Um, I've got one mannequin head, which I'm working on at the moment. But apart from that, it's just reposts of old haircuts. Um, but my advice to for anyone who's looking to build a following is to just be consistent with it. Just keep doing it. Stick to posting keep posting sometimes it feels a little bit slow it feels like you're not getting anywhere but you just got to stick at it and also with your content as well 
back when I first started in 2016, I don't think Instagram was quite as saturated as what it is now with content, with haircuts. Um, even you look at the fitness industry, for, you know, for example, you look on Instagram and it's just got millions and millions of people posting up their home workouts. You know, it must be really difficult to stand out. And it's the same with the barber industry as well. Rather than just putting a picture of a haircut and saying, yeah, that's what I can do. Try and make it a little bit different. You know, have an image that captures your eye or put up a video of something. I think videos attract a lot of attention now. So just trying to stand out from the crowd a little bit, and that will help you build uh, a little bit more interaction. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Saturation, that was the word I was looking for earlier. It's saturated. Well, I was going to say, though, with the education side, do you find the social media has opened up doors for you in a sense of, you know, with companies, with the Great British Barber Bash, do you feel like it, it's been a way of being able to, to get in touch with these companies? 100%. I don't think that um, I would have been able to get into the education or I wouldn't have been able to reach as many people without social media at all. It's 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 a massive part um, of what sort of barber code has become. Um, when I was posting up on social media, I used to tag in the, the Great British Barber Bash in every haircut. Really, um, I'd go to all the events. I'd look up to a lot of the barbers that were on stage and I think to myself, I'd love to do that one day. And eventually... I think it was a couple of years after I'd been doing it. It was Gary from from the Barber Bash said to me, he sent me a message and saying, do you fancy you know, getting involved and doing some education and maybe get, getting on stage and doing a few shows? Um, and it gradually built up over time. But it, it did give me that platform to say, look, this is what I can do. And, um, and then obviously Gary reached out, which was uh, much appreciated. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what, the Great British Barber Bash is such a great um, show to go to, not just to be able to see other barbers, but just to also get involved and have a chance to be able to show what you can do um, and your skills. Because, I mean, like you said earlier, the market's very saturated now, but if you've got something different to show and you're able to portray that well, going to the Barber Bash and working in the Barber Bash is a chance for you to move up, you know, move up the platform and maybe make it to the stage and stuff like that, isn't it? Definitely. I think just going back to even before I was involved uh, with working with the Great British Barber Bash, I remember the first event I went to was in Manchester in the uh, Victoria Warehouse. One of Myself and my friend went and I cut his hair up nice and we were really looking forward to it. Went for the day uh, on the train, had a few drinks and we were queuing up outside to go in. Didn't really know what to expect. We'd seen pictures of what it was like, but we were queuing up there and you saw all these funky haircuts queuing up to go in and people in cool clothes. And I thought, yeah, this is the vibe I like. And this music was just blaring from inside. We got in there. There was such a, an exciting vibe in that place. And, and at that moment, I thought to myself, I've really got to get involved in this. Yeah. It was right, right up my street. So, um, yeah, I came away from that um, the next morning when I woke up. I was very hungover. But <laughs> even from that moment, I thought to myself, I've got to get involved. And um, yeah, I did. And I did. So it, was the Barber Bash like it is now, where you sort of start off on the sort of lower tiers and maybe like move up then sort of to the, to the yeah. main stage? Yeah, to be honest, it was a main stage and there was a little bit of side, side cutting going on. Um, but I think it's evolved over the, the last three years to the point where it's become a much, a much bigger show now, a much bigger event. 
so there is a lot more going on now yeah yeah how was your nerves at the start when you first started you know working on stage and stuff like that on on the main stage was um my first show it wasn't at a main great great british barber bash it was at um a college show at west cheshire college and i was working with two guys from glasgow greg and eric from slicks barbers so there was the three of us on stage and we'd done a little bit of teaching in the barber shop there in the afternoon which kind of helped me settle in and get into sort of teaching mode and then in the evening we kicked off a show about half past six and we had um we had the music on the, the pre-show kind of warm-up going on we got our models in we were all backstage waiting to go on and i felt quite confident at this point i was looking forward to it i'd had my double espresso which i always have before i go on <laughs> and, uh, um and at that point i i decided to and, a, a, and a red bull sorry paul and a red bull isn't it and a monster yeah <laughs> and a monster yeah i looked i made the mistake of looking through the curtains just to see what it was like on the stage and the audience were there already. They were sat on the chairs. It was like a mini theatre. And at that point, when I saw everyone there, I got nervous. I did. And I went on and thought to myself, God, this is going to be tough. And I felt in my mind like I was stumbling over my words as I was talking. But when I watched it back on video, it wasn't too bad. Um, but from, from that was my first one. I did feel nervous. But I think it's the same with anything. The more you do it, the more comfortable you become. Um, yeah. the more confident you become with what you're answering what you're saying and it just becomes a bit more natural so yeah yeah because it, it, it's quite funny really isn't it because you're in the barber shop all the time and you're absolutely fine in front of huge crowds of people well yeah. you know I, I feel like i am anyway and as soon as you jump up on that stage it it all changes you know yeah. i don't want to talk about myself here but i remember being in uh aberdeen and that was my first show. And I got up on stage and I just remember uh, Gary asking me about four questions at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't even think I I remembered one of them, you know. And I was standing on that stage and I literally said, uh, I don't know what I'm saying, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be a bit like that sometimes, especially when, it, when, when it's in your first few shows. I remember um, you're answering a question at the same time as you're trying to do a haircut to a high standard because you know these people have paid for a ticket they've come in they're listening intently to what you're saying but not only that at the end of the show or in the mid break point in the show they're going to come up on stage and inspect your haircut and they're expecting very very high standards so not only have you got to work like you do in your normal barbershop environment you've got to finish your work to a high standard you've got to dress the hair out well it's going to be done in 40 to 45 minutes and the light conditions are quite tricky as well. You've always got spotlights on you. Um, so it is. And then when you look up to answer a question, everyone's looking at you. So yeah. that, that kind of pressure situation when you're first starting off is quite difficult to get used to. But on the same sort of like if you can get past that and you can become confident up there on that stage talking to people, you do get a big buzz from it, I feel. I don't know if you feel the same. You know, when you come off stage and you've done your haircut, it's gone well. You've had that interaction with people and you come off stage and you think, yeah, I love that. I can't wait to go back on. Yeah, no, no, I, I do get that exact same feeling. Um, but, you know, like I'm going back to it. But I mean, being in the barbershop when there's so many people around and you're thinking like I'm absolutely fine. You jump up there and it's just everything changes. But yeah. um, I mean, you yourself now 
talking about barbershops. Uh, you got your own barbershop up in North Wales, haven't you? Yeah, right on the coast of North Wales. Uh, it's in a little village called Mochtra, which um, for anyone who's listening, they probably haven't heard of Mochtra unless they're from quite close. Um, but it's near a, a, a town called Llandudno, which is right on the, the top of Llandudno, uh, North Wales. Um, yeah, I've been there for six years now. So 2014, I've been there. Okay. And I bet that's developed a lot over the last couple of years. It has, yeah. I, the, the business itself and the structure of the business has changed uh, 180 degrees completely. So I first started off, um, I built up a, a bit of a client base before I'd actually opened the shop. And that was the decision that made me want to, you know, do it, do it for myself, basically. So I opened the doors and I was really busy from the get go. Um, but it was all the walk-ins. Um, so people would come in, they'd sit and wait their turn. You'd be doing all different types of haircuts. You'd get people coming in who'd sometimes just wanted a grey half all over, sometimes a one on, on the top and a half on the back and sides. So I was doing haircuts that were very easy to do. Occasionally, you would get somebody coming in and wanting something a little bit more of a style. But back in 2014, before the real um, kick of social media, before Instagram really uh, elevated the industry to what it is now, um, people weren't having the more modern things like skin fades, the more time-consuming haircuts. Yeah. So I was getting through a lot more haircuts, and the walk-in model suited the business at that time. The problem was is I built up quite a good reputation in the local area, and it became a little bit of a, a negative thing about the shop. Was People would say, I'd love to come to you, your shop for a haircut. The only problem is I can't wait that long. I haven't got that amount of time to wait. And I noticed that a lot of people were saying the same thing. So I gradually transitioned and evolved into a uh, bookings, all bookings. Over the space of about four to five months, I transitioned it. Um, I first started off just doing one day a week with bookings. Then after a couple of weeks, I went to two days and we gradually moved it over. And that then gave me that little bit more structure to my day, a little bit more time for people who I noticed were coming in. My client base changed as well. So the people who wanted the simpler haircuts, they would maybe go to their, their you know, their barbers down the road that maybe char- charged seven, eight pounds um, and they would be in the chair for 10 minutes. Whereas my client base, I, I drew in people who wanted that more of a salon experience, a bit like what women get when they go to the hairdressers. They get a bit more of a consultation. They get a bit more detail into their haircut. They get a bit more um, interaction with their stylist. And that's what I wanted barber code to become and that's the path it went along yeah no i can uh i can say that we probably trying well we have we we've done the same thing but you know i think a lot of barbers would probably be asking you how do you sort of manage your schedule do you do do you have different times for different things or do you have one time it's like sort of when i say one time i mean do you have like one hour and it's just one hour or like skin fades being you know And what I tend to do is I have 45 minutes as my appointment time and I keep that for whatever service it is. So if it's a a senior's cut, if it's a skin fade and beard, no matter what it is, I keep it at 45 minutes. And I know within that time I can complete whatever work needs to be done. Even if it's a a tricky skin fade uh, and a full beard shape up and line up, 45 minutes, I'll probably need the full 45 for that. Anything less than that, it just gives me that little bit of a buffer time maybe a quick cup of coffee, 
um, you know, that type of thing. Grab some food and then on to your next client. Do you do you have anyone helping you in the shop? I've got a guy called John who uh, rents a chair from me and he is a really good barber, top guy. And he, um, yeah, he's very much the same mindset. He's really into the more um, modern styles. He originally trained as a hairdresser and then he transitioned over into barbering. So he fits the shop really well. You know, he's very good. Yeah. Did he start off as an apprentice or did he just come in and start renting the chair? No, he's he had a lot of experience before he came to me. He uh, he started off as a hairdresser, worked for quite a few years in Clandudno, the town quite close by me. And then he went to Australia, I think it was for four years. And he trained over there, I think, as a barber, or maybe it was just before he left. And so he built his skills up over in Australia. And then he, when he came into the shop, he was already at a really high standard. So, um, which was which was nice for me. I didn't have to worry about the quality of the work that was going to go out of the shop because I could see he was already at a high standard. Yeah, because I think that is the biggest problem is sort of um, making sure that your times and stuff like that are all good and you've got people helping you in the shop. But I think with social media it adds that extra bit of uh, time on to the end of your haircut, doesn't it? Because if you've done a good haircut, you'll want to take a picture. Um, and that's always difficult sometimes because if you're like myself, I'm running a 45 minute haircut um, and I'm finishing dead on 45 minutes, that that picture could take, you know, what, five, 10 minutes. Yeah. It always you, takes longer than you think as well. You always think I'm just going to grab my camera and take a picture, but you can, you know, if you're taking an outdoor shot or, it's getting the light right, getting the right angle of the, the photo. It always takes a little bit longer than you think. But um, it, it's it's one of them things. It's worth doing. I know it, it can be quite tricky sometimes to get that photo for, for social media. Um, but it is worth doing because then it's, you know, it's an advert for your shop and for yourself. Yeah, and it's a great way to, to grow, grow clients. And also, you know, there's two different ways of looking at it, isn't it? It's a great way to grow clients. And then if you're looking to be or to go into the education route, it's a great way of um, portraying what you do um, so people can see what you do, uh, like companies like the Great British Barber Bash can see what you do. Um, but, I mean, talking about growing clientele, because that's the subject we're on, if you were to give any advice um, on growing clientele, just say someone is, is maybe struggling or they're just starting, how would you say, what would you say the best way to grow clientele is? Okay, so for me, um, from the moment I started in cutting hair, for me, it was all about attitude. So you can have a barber or a hairdresser who cuts hair to a really, really high standard. But if their customer service skills and their interaction skills aren't there, they're maybe not going to build a client base as someone who is just good at cutting hair, but has fantastic personal skills. So it's all about going that extra mile. As soon as I was opening the shop, I wanted everything to be right. So I was paying a, a lot of attention to detail, not just with the actual quality of the cut, but the shop, as soon as they walked in, I wanted the atmosphere to be right. I wanted the temperature to be right in the shop. I wanted the music to give off a certain vibe. I wanted it to be nice and positive before they've even spoke to me. And then when they come over and they sit in the chair, to me, it's all about coming across as if you want to give that uh, client and, you know, you want to go that extra mile for them. OK, so your consultation is massively important. Be enthusiastic when you're speaking throughout the haircut, that type of thing. So offering them a cup of coffee when they come in, just go in that extra mile to make them feel a little bit special rather than just 
oh, you're, you're just the next client in the chair. And when you're done, off you go. Give them no option but to come back to you, basically. So whether that's through the quality of your haircut or your consultation and your interaction when they're in the shop. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think um, consultations are huge, aren't they? I mean, just having that, just that couple of minutes at the start, just to recognize what the person wants, realize or feel the shape of their head to know in which direction you're going to take the haircut. Do you, would you say, um, like your consultation now, would you, how would you, how would you tackle it? How would you tackle a consultation? So basically, if I've got a client who's come into me, um, and they've been coming to me for a long time. The consultation sometimes is a little bit easier because you know a little bit about, about their personality. You know what they do for a job. You know what type of um, haircut they're going for. So the consultation sometimes with that is a little bit easier. If you've got someone coming in who basically you, you've never cut their hair before and they're coming in and they're wanting to have a complete restyle and things like that, it's worth just asking them a little bit about what they do for a job. You know, if they've got any pictures, that really, really helps. So they can show you a picture from Instagram that they've seen, and that gives you something to, to go off. What I would say with the consultation as well is, if you've got someone coming in with a really rigid idea, they sit in the chair and they show you a picture off Instagram, rather than just trying to copy that style, it's always better to adapt that style to that person's head and that hair shape. Because nine times out of 10, if you try and do that exact style, it's not going to look the same because you've got to deal with different hair densities, different hair textures, um, different growth patterns, hair colours and all sorts of different things. So it's about building up that experience and that confidence to be able to adapt the haircut and put it on someone's head and give them something that suits them and their face shape. And that, and that, I'm not trying to plug this now, but that's mm-hmm. something you teach, isn't it? Um, you know, when uh, when we talk about hair densities, hair, head shapes, um, we're talking about different shapes with haircuts, triangular coming down the back. I mean, this is something some a lot of barbers maybe don't know a lot about. So you teach a lot of this, don't you? Yeah, definitely. It was something that um, I think this is where the, the men's hair industry has evolved too. You know, back when I went for a haircut, when I was, you know, leaving school by 15 or 16, you would go to your barber shop, you'd sit down in your chair and there'd be maybe five or six pictures, you know, of models, guys on the wall. And everyone would just point to which one they wanted. And that was the, the consultation. That's all you would get. Whereas now it's a little bit more because of social media. It is important to go that extra mile and, you know, to learn about things like face shape to learn about shapes of haircut, to learn about how to structure a haircut. Because lots of little details, lots of different changes you can do during the process of a haircut can change. So you would say trust and confidence um, plays a huge factor in not only attaining the client, but also changing what they do with their hair, staying current and stuff like that. I think um, you know when a guy first comes in and they sit in your chair, some people are naturally quite trusting with you because they maybe see what you can do on social media. Other people will sit in and because it's their first time, you can see they're a little bit nervous. They might be a bit quiet. Even during the consultation, they seem a little bit sort of apprehensive. They're wondering if this is going to go well. Sometimes going to a new barber can be quite a nerve wracking thing for a guy. You don't really think about it much, but it can be like it can be like that sometimes. Um, but when they first sit in the chair, it's about making yourself look confident 
showing what you can do, not technically, not just technically, but giving them that that confidence in your body language. Um, you know, sometimes clients, when they've been coming to me one or two times, they might have that little kind of edge about them. And they're not sure how it's going to go. But then once you've cut their hair four or five times, they a lot of them come in and they sit down and they're so relaxed. They just say, just do what you want or, you know, just do what you did last time. And there's a totally different atmosphere then um, because they've built you've built up that trust. You've shown them what you can do. You've shown them what they what you're capable of. And they've already got that trust in you and they know that you're not going to mess their hair up and you're going to give them the style that they want. I suppose you're open then to a continuous flow of change, aren't you? Because if that customer then trusts you, you can sort of give him ideas then of what you want to do and how you want to grow. And I think that is the best thing at the moment to stay current is building up that trust first, you know, with continuous delivery of good haircuts and then slowly adding in you know, uh, new ideas here, new ideas there. Once that trust is built, it's easier to change the haircut up to stay more current. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, I mean, Paul, I'm going to say it's it's sort of getting close to uh, to finishing up here, but I really want to ask you, um, I tell you what, before I ask you that, I'm going to say, where can people find you? Okay, so my main hub, like I touched on earlier, my main hub is Instagram. So if anyone who wants to view my work, see my portfolio, or even contact me, you can give me a message on there. My tag on Instagram is Paul underscore Barbercode. Um, I'm also on Facebook as well, just under the name Paul Barbercode, and I have a business page as well called Barbercode as well. Um, but you can Google it and the shop will come up on there as well. Okay. And um, One last question, Paul. Yeah. If you could give one piece of advice to someone coming into barbering or even sort of in the sort of mid stages of uh, being in barbering what would you tell them i'd say you've got to be really passionate you've got to have that the right mindset you've got to be 100 percent committed 100 percent focused every day you wake up go into your work get there really um, and just give it 100 percent. same with anything you do you've got to give it 100 percent um it's about going that extra extra mile for me. So, you know, taking photographs, trying to continuously learn. So you don't go into autopilot when you go into your shop. If someone sits in your chair and they just want a, a simple haircut, say like a scissor cut on top of the two back and sides, rather than going into what you just did last time, try and go that extra mile and make that haircut a little bit sharper than you did it last time and continually improve your skills um, get onto courses, do one day workshops. Uh, go to events to inspire yourself, follow people, ask questions, and just put yourself out there. Take pictures of your work, um, look back and see where you could improve, that type of thing. So just, it's all about mindset, really. If you want to get there, you will, but you've just got to stay 100% focused, 100% positive, and just go for it. Yeah, and set them goals. Yeah. Listen, Paul, I would pick your brains all night long but, um obviously we're we're trying to keep these interviews short and sweet and try and get as much out of them as we can yeah. so i'm sure i'd love to i can't wait to have you on again at some point maybe in the next couple of months and we can talk about a bit more of education and you know and what people need to do to to grow in this industry and how they need to educate themselves but um yeah that'd paul, be great paul it's been an absolute pleasure as always it's been a pleasure talking to you as well and uh Hopefully we'll catch up soon. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you for having me. All right, Paul. Thank you for coming on the Barber Culture podcast. 
hope you enjoyed that interview guys um, if you want to contact me via Instagram, it's donquinn.hey or barbaculture.tv. Thanks for listening, guys.